Hey, I'm Matt Ruby. And I'm Rob Kramer, and welcome to another episode of Hell and Wellness. I am a comedian, and I've been uh, involved in the health and wellness space in a lot of ways, but uh, also always like on the periphery. And I'm a tech entrepreneur and a writer, and uh, I've been pretty addicted to the health and wellness space for quite some time. Had a good role model and sort of physical fitness and athletics in my parents, but also have had uh, had a couple of hippies as a brother and sister who are much older than I am and have uh, sort of pushed me into exploring all kinds of modalities. I hear you. Yeah, my dad was super logical, analytical, didn't buy any hippie stuff. My mom, huge hippie, bohemian artist, poet type. So that's where I am in my head. I'm always trying to figure out like, okay, is this logical and does it make sense? Uh, or is this like kind of like some hippie dippy nonsense or is it somewhere in between the two? Um, so Matt, today we are going to talk about uh, what seems to be a favorite topic amongst uh, the general media uh, conspiracy theories, but more specifically, conspiracy theory addictions. Turns out that conspiracy theories can be every bit as much of an addiction as gambling or alcohol or sex, and they all kind of derive and emanate from the same part of the brain that um, sort of gets people addicted to uh, chasing the rabbit around these conspiracy theories. So really looking forward to getting into that with you. Yeah, that QAnon shaman, he's definitely chasing some rabbits around somewhere. I'll tell you that much. Should we dive in? Yeah, let's get into it. Conspiracy theory addiction. Let's talk about it. And quick note, we are not doctors. This is not medical advice. Don't take us that seriously and change your life and inject things or anything like that. We're here to entertain you, to give you our perspective on the world of wellness. So please, before you do anything serious, check with the doctor. Of course, it's all connected. This conspiracy goes all the way to the top. That's right, I'm talking about the human brain. I'm Shannon, and I'm a neuroscience PhD candidate. And this is your brain on conspiracy theories. So that was neuroscience uh, PhD, as you heard, Shannon O'Dell. And, um, you know, it turns out, Matt, that uh, conspiracy theories could actually affect your, your health and well-being. And there is such a thing called conspiracy theory addiction. This is actually a thing. So let's just sort of start generally from the top, a conspiracy theory. We've all heard a shit ton about them in the last four years, especially is can basically be defined as the belief that a secret, but influential organization or individual is responsible for a circumstance or event. So people often think that these beliefs are rare, sometimes absurd, but research shows that they may actually be more common than we thought. Um, Apparently, there's been a study that says that about 50% of Americans believe in at least one conspiracy theory. Who who would have thought of this? I, I thought this was really just a QAnon thing and a Trump thing, but apparently conspiracy theories come in all, all forms, but most theories involve political and social events. So examples, we've seen a lot of them, but could include the belief that Certain celebrities are immortal vampires, I can think of a few, and controversial topics such as the belief that a small group of people are planning to overthrow the government. Now, let me note that that statement was actually scribed 
many years ago by a conspiracy theory addiction specialist. Who would have known that this person would have been prescient that on January 6th, that this small group of people actually would try to overthrow our government? So um, the people who strongly believe in conspiracy theories and become addicted may experience some of the following. So this is really where it gets a little weird for people. So they can feel anxious or fearful for no particular reason. Uh, there's a feeling of a loss of control, uh, perhaps a need to make sense of complex topics or unrelated events, even with little or no topical knowledge. We've seen this happen, especially through clickbait uh, on um, Facebook and Twitter. Um, Many of these people tend to have uh, low self-esteem, a strong urge to make connections between a series of unrelated events or behaviors. This is something that I find particularly fascinating because it's Alice in Wonderland down the rabbit hole. It's a never-ending cycle of connecting the dots that really just don't ever and will never connect. Um, sometimes it's a belief in paranormal explanations for scientific phenomena, making sense of the universe. We all want that. I mean, religion could possibly in some people's minds uh, be considered a conspiracy theory. Um, a sense of not belonging or isolation. This tends to be a big driver here in 2021 for people who just don't feel like they're connected to a cause. Their lives are not particularly meaningful. They need a person like uh, a Donald Trump to steer them in a direction so they could feel connected, like they actually have a purpose in their life. Um, and many of these folks feel a great alienation, a disengagement, or disaffection from society. So it turns out that this is a behavioral addiction. I mean, it's like any other addiction. These are behavioral addictions are non-substance addictions, like gambling addictions or sets of behaviors that people become dependent on and crave. And I think we're seeing um, the rise of uh, conspiracy theory addictions. I didn't know it was a thing, but at the same time, I actually have been searching these last four years of what drives and motivates people to want to follow conspiracy theories. And one last thing about this is that these are not just, you know, this this condescending sort of version of conspiracy theory people, um, people who follow them are their uneducated white middle American male. These could be yoga moms. These could be the people um, from the spiritual community who follow the movie or the non-movie documentary movie, Plandemic. They come from all stripes and all political spectrums. It's fascinating. We seem to be overwhelmed by them and in fact we seem to be um, uh, we seem to be uh, having to confront them in unfortunate ways right now in our society and government well I heard most of that Rob but I was kind of focused on Diane Feinstein's Chinese communist driver who's been working with General Tso to help overthrow the government along with George Soros uh, through the Dominion voting machines in order to you know, sex traffic children to the Satan worshippers the way the Democratic Party has been doing for a while now. So you're, you're aware of all that, right? Of course. I mean, that all that happened, right? Of course. Yeah. I mean, so it's funny to me. Uh, I don't actually believe any of that. I guess I just I, I don't feel like I need to explain that. But maybe people don't know me that well. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, to me, we get into interesting questions of what is a conspiracy theory and what is a 
addiction because like a conspiracy theory like uh you know i believe that big pharma has you know spread a bunch of you know sort of phony disorders through our population in order to you know subscribe us to their uh, you know uh, medicines in a way that's not in our best interest am i a conspiracy theory kook or am i just telling the truth about what's happening with uh, you know pharmaceutical pills in our culture same with with uh, factory farming and and uh, the big agriculture and Monsanto and how they're poisoning our crops and our seeds and and feeding us poison in a, because it's better for them economically. Am I a conspiracy theory kook or am I just speaking the truth in a way that like is is stating the fact of if you follow the money within capitalism where it goes? You know, there's 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 lots of opportunity probably for us to debate conspiracy theories and whether you're a kook or not. I mean, I actually think you're a kook, but but that's beside the point. And I did believe you a few minutes ago. So now I think that all Democrats are a part of pedophilia uh, sex rings. Um, that said, what's interesting um, to me is, and I'm fascinated by, is this notion that when you get down to the bottom of where what drives conspiracy theories, there's there are Things, according to the neuroscientists and the psychologists, that um, drive why people believe in conspiracy theories. And um, one of them is a need for understanding and consistency. Another is a need for control. And then a third, which they categorize and talk about, is a need to belong or feel, feel special. So no matter what your conspiracy theory is, yours might be that Monsanto is trying to poison us or Pfizer might be trying to inject us with, you know, pharmaceuticals that uh, put us on some kind of sort of uh, uh, pharmaceutically induced control. Um, or you believe in QAnon, there's something underlying it that, you know, we talked a little bit in a previous ep episode about conspirituality, which we won't go too much here. You should check out the episode. I think it's episode number six, I believe. Um, but uh, this notion that there's a need for understanding when a person experiences distress over uncertainty or witnesses a large scale event, that the mind will start to look for explanations that connect the dots. I mean, it's this age old existential fear that we don't matter and that we're here today and gone tomorrow and no one's going to kind of notice. And I get that, but I think there's this inherent judgment going on that I'm going to push back back at because like I don't think that Pfizer is trying to like addict us with the vaccine, but I do think when they send hot pharmaceutical sales reps into doctor's offices and take them out to fancy dinners and then fly them to junkets and pay them, you know, six figures to give a speech at a conference. And then they're like, hey, maybe you, you should start you know, prescribing our pills a little bit, that that has an impact on it. And I, I don't think that I'm fulfilling some need I have within me because I'm lonely or, you know, uneducated or something else. I think I've I'm literally seeing what predatory capitalism has done to our healthcare system, and I'm trying to point it out and get people to be aware of it. And like, where does that fall on this spectrum? Because I, yeah. I, I, I don't want to, you know, take this too far afield. Because overall, I agree with you on on the typical Illuminati kind of bullshit conspiracy theories. But then I, I fear that I get lumped in with people who think, you know, under the Denver airport, the Illuminati are meeting. When I'm like, no, I'm just telling you what capitalism is doing. Like, I don't think I'm a conspiracy theory kook. I think I'm pointing out what predatory capitalism is doing to our healthcare system. And like, I'm just trying to like, I think it's we all need to be aware of that. I would say that um, there is a fine line between uh, judging or determining what is a, you know, out and out kooky conspiracy theory uh, versus a theory that 
uh, capitalism is um, is maligning our humanity, so to speak. But at the same time, all conspiracy theories require some level of judgment and analysis and opinion that you're going to fall on one side of the so-called theory or another. And while I may not uh, subscribe to, you know, the tactics uh, that you describe as as being uh, that pharmaceutical companies engage in as being conspiracy theory, um, I can understand intellectually why you would say that. But I, I, I'm I'm really thinking more there. We live in a society of human beings that have a collective consciousness. And as um, uh, Lily Tomlin, the, the comedian, uh, said once in her one woman show, uh, when she said she posed the question, what is reality? Uh, and she answers it by saying that reality is a collective hunch. And we all have a collective hunch. There are certain hunches that we all agree on. There are certain hunches that we think that guy's crazy to be thinking that. And then there's certain hunches that are just completely on the fringe. I think that when we're talking conspiracy theories and the focus that I'm trying to place on this is that there are certain types of behavior that will drive people to think about things that are completely out of the so-called mainstream and that they're they're driven by these three things that I that I mentioned this this need for understanding consistency at an extreme level, the need for control at an extreme level, because their lives are feeling particularly out of control, or this need to feel special or belonging. The the shaman, QAnon shaman, who got up in the middle of you know uh, the Senate and stood and screamed at the top of his lungs, who's wearing the crazy horns and the beard and the painted face, clearly needs a little bit of attention, needs to belong. Is he wrong for believing certain things about the government? Perhaps not. Perhaps he could prove some of those things. Who knows? But what drove him versus you and I to take that action to storm the Capitol when, in fact, we may actually think that some of the things he might be alluding to have some validity. But I just think that, you know, you and I are not storming the Capitol and you and I are having a rational discussion of which there are opinions that we're going to debate. I just think that the conspiracy theory addiction that I'm talking about in the same way, I may bet on a couple of football games on a Sunday afternoon. That does not make me a gambling addict. Yeah. I think, uh, if I had to like kind of frame what you're talking about is like, we spent a lot of time, uh, looking at these conspiracy theories, sort of, I would call them the weeds in the garden instead of examining the soil that has been so fertile for them to kind of grow in. And I think you're, you, you mentioned a lot of them. Um, I think we're, we're underestimating the pandemic and people being locked down and isolated and how much that has accelerated. I think that's the perfect sort of uh, manure in the soil to get people to start believing in these sort of crackpot theories. You know, when people are lonely and disconnected and online all the time, uh, I think there's a real sort of video game aspect to it, especially with the QAnon theory, how there's like this mysterious stranger dropping clues and you need to solve them. I actually read a long article by a video game designer talking about how this is classic game design um, and, and how it's so it's 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 almost like it's a video game that's playing 
playing us instead of us playing a video game. And it's sort of using this, this fertile soil of us being lonely and disconnected and locked down and not having purpose and not having community. And then the other thing I'll throw in there, which you brought up the topic of religion, I think as our culture moves more and more away from re organized religion, we're seeing that that desire for things like that gets filled by other things. I think you see the rise in things like astrology, the rise in conspiracy theories, the rise of other things, because we do, on some biological level, want to believe in higher powers and things that are connecting the universe and bringing it in, and you know, that it's not just all chaos and randomness. And religion used to give us one, I would say, you yeah. know, in retrospect, one sort of healthy sort of uh, template for, for bullshit that we could believe in. And we got rid of that. And we're like, no, that's bullshit. Get rid of that. But then we've just like opened the floodgates to this whole other direction of bullshit that's even more nefarious and potentially causing more harm. So let's um, let's play a clip, another clip from uh, Shannon O'Dell. Uh, she's going to give us a little perspective from a neuroscience brain perspective as to how some of these sort of disparate pieces that we're talking about uh, might come together in the mind. The brain pays attention to information simply because it agrees with the current belief while disregarding anything to the contrary. Ironically, the explosion of information on the internet may have made the problem worse, not better. Conspiracy theorists can now accumulate lots and lots of misinformation, creating communities and echo chambers, which only act to reinforce their conspiracy beliefs. So, look, there is a lot of stuff happening in the brain. She goes very deep into the, the, the neurochemical reactions that happen when someone actually does go down the rabbit hole of a conspiracy theory. Uh, and to your point about game theory and video game technique and social media, uh, these are things that obviously amplify uh, that which already exists. Conspiracy theories have been around from the beginning of humanity and the beginning of time. Uh, we're just seeing, uh, we're seeing it in a, in it's sort of almost post-mortem in the sense that like we're seeing the, the, the worst parts of the mind sort of laying bare before us sort of as a roadkill and everyone just is sort of stepping on it and driving over it. And then people are getting up and going, you know, you just fucking ran over me. Like I matter. I actually believe these things. I get they're not mainstream. And now there's all these, these, these tunnels, these silos of support for some rather wacky things, whether I agree with them or not. And some of them, I agree with parts of them. And some of them, I think that you're just out of your fucking mind, but they exist. And we are now living in a society that is particularly sick with conspiracy theories. Yeah. And I think our brains haven't changed. So it's really uh, wise to look at what has changed. What What's happened in the past five, 10, uh, I disagree years. with that. I disagree with that, actually. I think our brains have fundamentally changed since the advent of phones and computers and smartphones and texting. And, you know, there was an article in Wired Magazine now 10 years ago called, Is Google Making Us Stupid? And I think our brains are always being rewired. They're very plastic and malleable things. They're absolutely changing constantly. And I would argue that... Uh our brains are being flooded and can't keep up 
with what's happening. I think we probably agree on some level with the source, but maybe just the, the methods here. But I think technology and you know our addiction to devices, being online all the time has led our brains to you know not be able to keep up with the flood of information that's, that's coming at them. And then I think the other thing is the collapse of uh, trust in our institutions. We used to have institutions that we believed in. We, yeah. Walter Walter Cronkite would tell us the news that, and we would believe it, that there would be experts that, you know, we'd be like, well, that person's an expert. I trust them. And we've completely lost that in society due to technology and a, a lot of the things that have happened with social media and elsewhere. And I think, you know, this is a manifestation of that. And when we lose trust in our institutions, all of a sudden everything's up for grabs. Uh, yes, except for the fact that there will be th- there were those who would who argue that a three-network media landscape and a Walter Cronkite as the sort of father of America coming, tuning in at 7 o'clock every night is actually in and of itself a conspiracy theory because we now have one single source or three sources of information, and information is incredibly difficult in that environment to, I mean, incredibly easy in that environment to control. And now, you know, the lid is blown off and we have billions of different sources and everyone gets to believe whatever they want to believe. Does that map onto the existing brain that is evolving in real time? Or is it actually just sort of confusing the brain that hasn't changed? And I think it's they're 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 not they're not mutually exclusive. They are one and the same. The information in, information out, garbage in, garbage out. So we were better off when we were getting information. We had trusted institutions and news sources, or we were I'm worse saying, off. Well, I, I I think this is something to argue. But my point is, is that there was definitely a more uh, coherent agreement around who and what we trust. Institutions. We were all mostly in agreement because all day long, as I would say, you know, to friends, um, you know. If, if, if CNN broadcast 24-7 every day, or for that matter, every single network broadcast every single day, whether it was in the days of Walter Cronkite or today, potatoes will kill you. Eating potatoes will kill you. And every story and every headline was eating potatoes will kill you. No one would eat potatoes. No one would grow potatoes. No one would get in sniffing distance of potatoes. We are willing and we are willing to believe whatever it is we are told to believe. Now we live in a time when there's many billions of disparate sources of information. And now everyone believes what they choose to believe because they just resonate with the things that amplify their belief system. But in that sort of uh, the billions of sources of information that we have, our brains are changing. And now we live in a society where we trust no one. We can't even trust the president of the United States. We can't trust sometimes our neighbor. We can't trust the police. Black people can't trust the police. I can't trust this one or that one because I'm Jewish. Do they know I'm Jewish? Well, who knows? I mean, is that something? That we we have no common bond and no common definition around trust conspiracies i think are the malignant tumor that essentially has metastasized in our society based upon the fact that we've lost trust in each other and in our beliefs and conspiracy theories are simply the sort of the paradigm for uh, expressing the malignancy that exists all right yeah i guess i it's interesting for me because 
I was all, I grew up like a rock and roll, like f- kind of fuck the man kind of guy. Institutions are, are bullshit. And uh, the past five years have me really longing for, you know, just institutional like control and, and, and the man and, and agreed upon set of truth and that we're all like kind of buying in in a way that I never would have predicted for myself. And I love that. And I, I actually, believe it or not, agree with you. I kind of long for that too. The challenge is, is that because we have individualized ourselves, individuated ourselves in a mediated society, a society that is mediated by everything from network, cable, blogs, politicians, corporations, brands, etc. Um, we don't know what to believe because we've lost our sense of who we are individually and we've lost our sense of connection with everyone as a whole. We don't live in a society. We live in our own worlds that we then sort of pick and choose the things that we want to actually uh, believe based on the brand that we've created for ourselves in our own little worlds called our brain. Yeah, I'm just going to stand up for our brains. I feel like we're just being asked to be an expert on everything. Like I just like who has time to be like an expert on vaccines, an expert on epidemics, an expert on, you know, race relations in America and redlining, an expert on, you know, uh, agriculture, an expert on pharmaceuticals. Like it's just sort of like too much. I just think we're asking our brains to do too much. And I, you know, I, I think our brains are like just being like, Oh my God, I don't know what to do. Maybe, maybe this crazy stuff. How about that? Yeah. Look, I think the bottom line is that as a human being who as a species by and large, there's this existential threat called death. We all know it's going to happen. We all don't know how or when or why. Uh, And so we have these needs to feel safe and be in control and conspiracy theories uh, and conspiracy theory addiction can be um, caused by this need to feel safe and in control. And it's really just spun out of control. And so the more it's spun out of control, the more conspiracy theory rabbit holes we seem to collectively or perhaps, you know, uh, in segments of society uh, fall down. And when the human mind feels threatened, you know, identifying what is causing the danger can be a way uh, to cope with anxiety. And I think there's a lot of anxiety in society now because we just don't know which way is up. Yeah. And we're freaking out. And it's funny because probably in a lot of ways, we're healthier and better off and luckier than anyone who's ever, you know, walked on the face of the earth. Yet we feel like everything's crumbling all around us. So it's like one of those things. It's sort of like uh, the wealthier people get, the more freaked out they are about losing it. So I actually, I know we, 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 we tend to look at everything in the sort of hell or well perspective. I'm going to say that, of course, by matter of opinion, that conspiracy theories in the way we understand them in 2021 are complete and utter hell. But I'm going to give conspiracy theories or what's underlying the driver behind conspiracy theories, not a hell or a well at all, but something that we need to become more aware of and why we are actually um, living in this world where conspiracy theories have overtaken our society in ways that have actually um, uh, almost toppled our government uh, for the first time in the history of our government. And I think that if we spend our time um, condescending and demeaning people around 
the, the, the extreme conspiracy theorists, and I don't agree with 99.99% of them, so I'm saying that from this perspective, I think we need to figure out what's going on below the conspiracy theory that you most likely don't agree with. Don't make it hell. Don't make it well. Let's just sort of come together and understand what's happening here so we can actually have more trust in each other. I agree with you. And I think, you know, it's obviously, you know, if you're an addict to conspiracies, that is not healthy. I'll even go to the framework of like, what what can we do about this? What's actually like a solvable thing right now? And I think it's the technology companies that are fomenting this need to be regulated and examined. And we need to start uh, looking at these algorithms and, you know, companies like Facebook and Twitter and Reddit and what's happening and start saying like, hey, you're leading to the destruction of our society we as a we as a country are going to do something about it and you know I'll, i'm going to lump that in there too so obviously it's a hell from me well good well i have a feeling that uh what you just alluded to is going to be another episode and we are going to talk about the health and wellness of technology in our lives Thanks for listening to Hell and Wellness. I'm Rob Kramer. And I'm Matt Ruby. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts, and you can leave voice messages for us at anchor.fm slash Wellness. That's anchor.fm slash Wellness. You can also see all the shows there. And you can email us at hellandwellness at gmail.com. And if you remember, please uh, rate us and review us on uh, Apple Podcasts. Say something nice. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Stereoactive Media.